Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Joining me today is the co-founder and managing partner of Oak HCFT Partners. Andrew, I'm really excited to, uh, to have you on today. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Let's dive right in. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, so my background, uh, if I go way, way back, grew up in Texas and then moved to the Northeast and um, after college kind of took a more traditional finance route through investment banking. And then when worked at a, a later stage uh, investment group focusing on healthcare services, and that was formative at the time, that was kind of the late nineties and the government had just done a lot of slashing uh, on terms of reimbursement rates. So decimated a lot of the services industry and you really that, that was a crash course in like how reimbursement and how the healthcare system can work uh when the government needs to you know blunt instrument contain costs but it also sparked a lot of need uh a lot of need for innovation and efficiency and software um at that time and and we were looking at a, athena health actually as an investment opportunity at that firm and that's how i got to know Annie Lamont, uh, you know, my longtime partner uh, who was on the board and a very early investor in Athena Health. And it was just the stars aligned and transitioned over to, to work with Annie uh, on healthcare investments at our predecessor firm. And we did that for, you know, 11 years. Um, and uh, we took that strategy and in 2014 spun out and launched OKHCFT. And now we're investing out of our, you know, $2 billion fifth fund. And have well over 80 companies across largely healthcare and some fintech investments um, that we're actively working on. Let, let's talk about you know, this the the fund that you just mentioned. Sure. What's what's been the focus uh, of it so far? You know, where are you looking to to allocate the capital? What areas within healthcare uh, interest you right now? So, uh, because we've been doing this for many decades, uh, there's a some central themes that have always been important to us. So we care about kind of cost, system-wide cost, whether that's clinical or administrative. And we look for clinical services or new care delivery models or software that can reduce costs. And if you're doing that, you're also improving quality. And that can be quality of the patient experience. It can be quality of the clinical outcome. It can be just quality of operations that drives margin for the stakeholder. So we care a lot about quality and then that patient experience. And you know, uh, we started measuring, I remember when we were uh, you know, investors in One Medical and measuring NPS, you know, was a novel concept. And now, you know, you see it across the health industry for, for good reason, like NPS really matters. Uh, the patient experience, the consumer experience really matters. So it's really cost, quality, consumer experience, patient experience that are really important to us. Now, what form that takes, you know, there's a lot of range in our portfolio. And so we have largely growth stage investments selling to hospital systems and pharma companies and managed care businesses to try and drive some of the solutions around these key themes. And then we also do some early stage venture investing around entrepreneurs that we've worked with in the past and, and had great success with, and they want to start a new company. And so, so we team up again and that that's fantastic for us. That's really been the guiding light for for our firm over the last 20 years and certainly what we're doing in this most recent fund at this point you say kind of where are we focus in the industry it's almost like what won't we do you know we kind of do everything but we don't you know we, we think there's better ways to do it in the heavy bricks and mortar you can do a lighter kind of omni-channel approach to care delivery uh whether it's digital or primary care or um or what have you and then on the um 
And then on the pharma side, you know, we don't invest in life sciences or products directly, but we will look at derivative plays around how do you develop or commercialize a, a drug more effectively or efficiently. So that's a wide range of opportunities, but, you know, we're quite comfortable going throughout the industry at this point. I like the way that you put it, like focusing in on here's what we don't invest in, right? Because that's that's definitely easier. You do you you do invest a, across the board, and you've had a lot of really great companies that uh, you've been a part of. And when you were talking about like who these companies are working with, right? The pharma companies, the uh, managed care organizations, right? The health systems. Um, given this is something that gets brought up a lot recently uh, with me when I when I talk with guests. Um, you know, in the past, just over the past couple of years, the employer space has been a pretty uh, good space to to sell into. And I've heard I've heard uh, you know opinions on both sides of where we're at today in today's climate and selling into those employers. I, I I know you didn't you didn't necessarily I don't think you mentioned it. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that current? Uh, you know, in terms of selling to employers today, where you know, in terms of the companies that you work with, and your just I guess personal opinion on it as well. Sure, absolutely. So the employer space is an area that has kind of had waves. So from an investor perspective, there's been waves. So there can be kind of the the new shiny object, you know, something that uh, there's a belief will drive kind of a better uh, employer engage employee engagement in their healthcare spending, um, or uh, there would be something that an employer can roll out to drive kind of better cost outcomes. Um, you know, there's some tried and true. Uh, approaches here, uh, you know, we think, you know, delivering, you know, primary care, making it very accessible because they can control so much downstream. Like that's always going to be, that's always going to work. Like if there's a need, um, particularly if you think about companies that are in rural environments or have access issues to care, like giving like direct care to something like primary care, like that's going to work. But I think what happens in venture is there's a, there's an investment in kind of a, you know, a, a point solution that looks really interesting, maybe as one anchor customer, but like, can you really build like a platform or like a real company? So you always have this kind of product platform debate when you're serving the employer uh, universe. And I think what, you know, employers, they're incredibly busy, but healthcare is an enormous expense. So it's not just the CHRO or the head of benefits, but it's like, you know, a lot of companies, large companies have chief medical officers, the CFO is involved, the CEO is involved. So like you really have have something that drives a tangible ROI for the employer in taking into account like what your employee churn is, what the length of their employment is. Like there are a lot of factors, but like you have to show impact. And I think what's happened is there's been a big wave of investment and a bunch of point solutions that the, the call point, the head of benefits or CHRO inundated, like no time. I just need fewer vendors. So there's been kind of consolidation or people rolling into a navigation platform, for example. And so there's just been this wave of activity. I think where we find ourselves today is like, exhaustion with all the inbound from these venture back companies, like what is really going to work? And I, I just was at a board meeting two days ago and we were talking about this exact topic. Like you have to show like a really tangible result, but be able to engage on a deep clinical level. Like if you can't do that, like if you're just trying to sell like a cool piece of technology that has a great user interface, like just don't do it. Like you have to show a tangible clinical impact, I think, to have real, like have real scale potential across large employers. And so like, we love that, right? Because we're trying to back and we do back companies that have substance that have those clinical proof points or that ROI 
if it's an administrative solution, but also that great kind of consumer patient experience. And it's just a lot deeper and more engaging conversation because like the wave of like the quick fix is passed and those companies are going to be able to raise more money anyway. It's like what's tangible and that's what's, you know, rising to the top in the, in the minds of the employer. And it should. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely been interesting talking with all these different, you know, we have the opportunity to talk with uh, both types of entrepreneurs that you were just kind of describing and the companies that they built, right? Um, yeah. Years ago, they were able to just get away with a good UI and, oh, this is cool. And then a longer a longer timeline to try to prove something out, right? And it's, much, it's a much faster time now. Yeah, 100%. Like a, a five-year ROI, it doesn't work. There's no time. I would love, but, but particularly back to the point, like, what about your employee turnover? Like the employees may not be there in five years, you know? And, and so like, you really have to have some more tangible, uh, shorter term proof points, I think for influencing medical cost or engagement uh, levels. And both are really hard to do. Now, when we look at, um, talk us through a little bit how, startups and emerging technologies are opening the door um, of opportunity to change the future of healthcare, you know, across the board, but with these continued innovations, right? You were talking about the companies that are, that are able to raise more money and that are, you know, moving forward, much, much of which are in your portfolio today because of your uh, strategy and, and knowing how to pick these companies. Talk us through how they're using, um, you know, true, truly innovating, not just putting a nice UI on it, Yep. that you've seen, the ones that are having success, what are they doing to, to kind of take it to that next level? I, I think like the key, some of the keys to success here are you, you have to, like there's a ton of pain points. So like you hear kind of like the, the vitamins or the painkillers, you know, like what are you? Like you have to be addressing a real pain point and for better, for worse in healthcare, like a pain point could be a $250 billion market. You know, like we have so much administrative efficiency in, you know, uh, uh, the quality of my provider network. If I'm a managed care company, like sounds, it sounds easy or basic, but like that's an incredibly hard and complex issue for particularly for managed care um, on just data accuracy, data quality and, and or even payments. You know, payment integrity is this claim accurate when you're before you're making a payment to a to, to a provider. So like there are these there are these kind of various pain points that are enormous markets. And so what we look for is like, we want a big, you know, kind of pain point, if you will, something that is a must have today and an unmet need in the market. And you really need a management team clearly that understands that. And it's not a rip and replace market. Like you just can't go in there and say, Hey, pull out Epic and put in my software. Like you have to understand the workflows, both clinically, administratively, to then innovate on top of that framework. Like that's an important key to success. And I think where some companies get it wrong, it's, I love the ambition to have big impact, but like, you're just not respecting the, the, the these longstanding frameworks within the, within the industry. So I think that's how you can really drive innovation. And it may feel like too narrow or just like a small step forward, but that can have a pretty significant impact. Like if you're showing improvement in a workflow in these, you know, large areas like that, that's kind of where I think these early stage ventures have an opportunity. And then you, you, you try it out at an anchor customer, like you hook in with a big payer and you test the solution. And when you're doing that, you have to really 
know that you're trying to build a, a solution that became, that becomes scaled and generalized to other managed care companies, not just a custom solution for this one anchor. So that's kind of a progression generically uh, of, you know, how you can really have impact as an early stage company and, and grow up to be much more than that. And taking that, uh, Andrew, a, a step further, how can some of these companies that you've seen truly make a difference? Well, I think uh, where, where you could have a big difference is like, so why why is Oak done so much in primary care? We've done so much in primary care because that's like tip of the spear, front end interaction with, uh, you know, a patient, whether you're doing that digitally or virtually, whether you're doing that in the office, we know that's a much less expensive engagement point just from like a cost perspective than going into the ER. Uh, you can do a lot of, a pro you, you can have a wide, broad range of services within that kind of primary care interaction and setting. And there's a lot of health, downstream healthcare spending that's set into motion based on that interaction, whether that's prescriptions or referrals to specialists or ancillary service usage. So like that is, you know, if you're arming the providers with, you know, data and information on the patient and you align incentives, typically around like a value-based construct, then you can have a lot of system-wide impact. Like that is very clear because you, you don't, you're not making up an R like you can see that, like you have reduced inpatient or ER utilization, like that right there, that is impact on the healthcare system. And now take that to a rural environment where you're creating access to folks that have to drive 30 miles to get to the hospital. That's already too expensive for maybe the acuity of the need that they have. Like, so that, 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 that I think that's kind of an area where you can see real ROI there and you can see it fairly immediately. It's, it's been a, it's been an interesting, you know, start to 2023. I feel like you can't go to any healthcare conference without hearing the, the words chat GPT or AI and healthcare, right? Um, similar to, to how it was, it seems like right now with the hot topic, like blockchain was several years ago, right? In healthcare and with the records and everything. Um, except there, there definitely seems to be more meat and more opportunity with the AI piece. Talk us through that trend, but some of the other trends that you're currently seeing uh, in the space today. So, so that is kind of a, a hot topic du jour. And, and I think rightfully so, because you have a very complicated industry where there's a lot of inefficiency, there's a lot of paper, there's a lot of process. You know, there, there's a lot of arcane and rudimentary uh, processes that can be made more efficient or accelerated or uh, more accurate through some of this AI technology. So I, I don't think it's going to be, um, it's not going to be a kind of a winner take all thing. I think it'll be incremental, but the use cases are incredibly clear and, you know, we'll all listen and look forward to hearing uh, your, your conversation with the notable folks, but uh you know, I think what, what we're, we're, our first order is looking at our portfolio and saying, like, where can we utilize some of this technology for their own operations internally, but also like, what can they fold in their solution for their customer? Because they have the customer relationships. And if there are these processes, like I think about like credentialing, you know, that's, that's just like a, that's a long process for our provider organizations, but like, how can you accelerate the credentialing process or the prior auth process? Or like, you really just look at these workflows and where can you deploy AI? And again, that sounds kind of narrow, but it can have a very material impact in terms of just speed, efficiency, and and cost effectiveness to scale a business. And and, and particularly powerful if you already have those 
customer relationships to deploy the AI into. So I think that's absolutely here uh, uh, and will continue to grow and iterate incredibly quickly and something we're highly focused on as a firm. Um, so, so I think that's kind of a big trend and we love seeing that, like we absolutely embrace that. Um, I think, you know, we, we continue to be big believers in management of high cost populations. So we think, you know, tech enabled, uh, care delivery, whether that's in primary care or that's in especially like, uh, you know, chronic kidney disease where we've been active, certainly in all aspects of mental health. Uh, is an area that we're focused, like we continue to look for these high cost specialties. And I think there's also kind of the combination of a high cost chronic condition, a high cost population that has access issues. And that, that, that takes you directly to Medicaid. So like Medicaid is one of these, you know, it's a smaller unit, you know, cost, lower reimbursement, harder to engage, harder to reach population, but it's an, you know, it's, it's in dire need uh, of better, healthcare delivery. And, you know, we love a good challenge at Oak. And so, you know, that, that, that's something that we address through many portfolio companies, you know, what can we need to pull into Medicaid, but, you know, Medicaid is definitely something we, we certainly think a lot about. I want to ask you something that it seems like it gets brought up from time to time, going back to the AI piece, but we don't sure. dive into it enough, I think as just a population, right? Um, what are some of the cautionary sides to this do you think as it relates to healthcare we always hear you know can ai you know the the horror stories of what it could do if it you know we went the wrong direction with it but i haven't heard and and it could be like we're we're still diving into it right at this time i haven't heard on the healthcare end the cautionary sides of it maybe how we shouldn't be using it but would be curious if you had any thoughts on that if not totally understand uh, well i i think uh i think anytime you're getting into like clinical advice uh, it, it, you have to tread lightly. Um, so I, I think that's something that's going to be, it, it's almost like, you know, going to Google and doing a lot of self-diagnosis. I mean, th these are highly trained, you know, professionals across all types of clinicians. And like, we're not going to automate that process. You know, there, there, there's kind of this concept of human in the loop and a lot of automation. I think this is one where you would think about it more like, is there an opportunity for like the co-pilot, you know, much like kind of the taking a 10 X engineer, it's like a 10 X healthcare professional here uh, through the use of some kind of yeah, easily accessible and highly effective kind of clinical, like a clinical peer, you know, an automated peer. Uh, I, I think if you try and automate this whole, like this is not going to happen. Uh, and I, 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 will the tech ever get there? Like, I don't make, want to make a grand pronouncement. Like, I'd love to see a lot of this, you know, sophistication be developed on the clinical side, but you also have to think about like our legal system, you know, and our regulatory system. And those are, you could call it friction or rate limiters, but it's there for a reason. And you have to take that seriously. Yeah. As it relates to healthcare, I like the AI piece on the administrative, uh, administrative side of things much more than even the clinical side of things. I, I do like how it can help make faster and, and, and hopefully in some cases even uh, more accurate clinical decisions, but with the guidance of the clinician, right? Not just trusting the, the computer still, even if, it, even if it gets really great. I like knowing that, you know, my, my pilot has better technology to make my flight. Uh, absolutely. It, it's a tool. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's a tool. It, it's a, you know, 
exactly. I think you're, you're making a perfect analogy. Well, I'm excited to see how, you know, beyond just AI, but how the rest of 2023 turns out. Uh, really appreciate you coming on the show today. I hope we can have you come back on and we can dive into some other topics, but it was great having you here. Jared, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. 